you are on the Game Trail Podcast. All right, guys, we're here with Ryan Tuttle for round two, and we're going to discuss more stuff about game cameras. And I know Ryan posted uh, some stuff, some questions to be asked, and we'll address those as we go through the cast. And we'll go from there. Uh, Ryan, have you had a chance to go check any cams yet this spring? Um, a few. I actually have a lot that are snowed in. We've, uh, we've had quite a bit of snow in my area, and so some of the ones that I set out for winter pitchers, it'll probably be May or June before I can even get to them. So I've tried to get to everything that I can, but it's been a little bit slow going and more shoveling than retrieving cameras. <laughs> yeah, we. Uh, <clears throat> I think we're in the same predicament as you guys. The low country seems to be all melted up, but the high country uh, is still pretty packed in with snow yeah. yeah i think i have roughly around 40 cameras right now that are that are out there that i can't even get to so wow. hopefully wow. once everything thaws out i'll uh we'll have some cool stuff but yeah. it'll be a, it'll still be a while before i can even get to them yeah um what is your main like are most of yours hiking type cameras for the most part Sorry, can you say that again? I didn't hear that. Are most of your cameras pretty much hiking back in pretty good ways, or it just depends on the area that you decided to drop one? Yeah, it just kind of it just kind of depends on the area. I mean, some of the desert country I like to run cameras on water in the desert country, and uh, unfortunately, it seems like there's a road to almost every water source in the desert. So, in yeah. some places, it's just hard to get away from the roads. But on average, I like to be at least a half mile away from the road. Um, when I get that far away, the the amount of theft and issues that I have goes down pretty significantly. So that's kind of my, my standard, about a half mile. Gotcha. It's pretty um, good, yeah. We'll walk in, you know, like we just kind of randomly place a few of them, you know, here and there where we think is a pretty good spot. And we usually do pretty well, but uh, we always, every time we go shed hunting, you know, we have that camera in our backpacks so we could, if we right. find an area where exactly. it looks pretty good, we could get that sucker set up. Yep, and I've got some places like that that you just you stumbled into, and I mean, there's a few cameras that I run that it's all day just to get one camera set. But um, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of enjoyable to have that one in your backpack, like you said, and especially shit hunting, you get into some pretty neat country right. that you wouldn't see any other way. So yeah, I think somebody asked on the that post you put on using your cameras for shed hunting, you know, to like, kind of like predict what elevation you're going to go or where these guys were hanging out, you know. And I tried. Yeah, I one. had a question about. Yeah, go ahead. I, I I had a question about running cameras for specifically for sheds. Yeah. And and I get a kick out of that. Um, and, you know, kind of part of the reason I even started doing that or running post season is just because I mean, once the hunts are over, what's the point of bringing all your cameras home and letting them sit in the closet? I mean, <laughs> you've already bought the camera. There's no sense in them collecting dust. So. Once that September or whatever your hunts are, once they're over, it's kind of fun to get those cameras reset in some different places and just watch the winter range. Um, I love watching the winter range. I love picking up sheds. I don't post a lot of shed pictures on my account anymore, but that's one of my favorite pastimes is, is picking up sheds. So running cameras is, is a big part of that. Um, you know, and everywhere is different. Some of the desert country that we go to, it's so dry that even through the winter months and March and stuff, the elk will still drink water every day. And so running water in that type of country is pretty dang awesome. But, you know, closer to home, I live in pretty mountainous areas. So 
we'll go put cameras up in the windy windblown ridges and it seems like the bulls navigate towards that because even though it's way high in elevation if you get them yeah sorry about that so or just to you know we set up a camera just for shed purposes and to see what was going on over in this one canyon and uh I'm sure you find out the hard way too that sometimes you put a camera in there and it really just bombs out. Like this one, oh, yeah. it, it wasn't that it was. Uh, we got elk on there and a lot of deer and cow elk, but uh, it didn't really give us a hint at all on like which direction they were going or if they were dropped yet or not. It didn't really help us out of that much. <laughs> it did confirm that they were there, but that was about it. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely a, a learning experience, a learning curve for that. Yeah. Before we posted a picture a few days ago, I got a chance to get out and check some cameras and uh, do a little bit of shit hunting a few weeks back. And I was pretty excited. Uh, yeah, there's a spot that I've wanted to hit for a long time. I've never hiked through, but um, I hiked through it and I picked up a really, really big three-point set. I actually have four years of trail cam pictures of that buck. And he was kind of that way. They, they come in that spot to rut, and I always get him on camera for a while. And he usually disappears. You know, yeah. Usually around the end of the rut, around Christmas time, he's usually gone. And I've kind of guessed or hoped or assumed that when he disappears, he shows up in this other spot to winter and shed his horns. And finally got a chance to hike down in there, and I picked up one set off of him. And I ran out of time before I could hit it any harder. So it was kind of, it's fun to connect the dots like that. It's a sweet buck. It's actually sitting in on a skull. It's about 34, 35 inches wide. It's wow. a straight three point. So. He's a, That's a nice one. My biggest three point. Cool. <laughs> yeah, we have the hardest time finding deer sheds just because I don't know if we just don't have the population like Utah does, but or I, I know there are smaller sheds than, than elk, and there's a lot of sagebrush areas that we like to hit. And even zigging and zagging in between that stuff, it's still hard to find deer sheds. Like, I just don't find a whole lot. I definitely have a problem with it. <laughs> but. <laughs> but yeah, it's. Uh, it's pretty fun and it's pretty educational to train on some of these post-season trail cameras to, if nothing else, take inventory on what made it through the hunts, but also kind of check your theories for shed spots. You know, like I was saying, I, I live in a pretty mountainous area and a lot of our roads get closed for the winter or they're just snowed in and you can't get up in there. So yeah. some of these areas that you suspect might have sheds in them, October, November timeframe before they get snowed in, I like to leave a bunch of cameras in some of the mahogany ridges and windblown ridges and stuff. And uh, when you get back up there in the spring, you'll either know it's good or bad. If there's if there's bulls in there, then it's going to be a good place to hunt sheds. We were talking about theft a little bit earlier. What do you do? You do any type of uh, theft prevention on your cameras on all of them, or do you just kind of decide on how far back it is and how isolated it is, and if you're going to put theft guard on it or not? Um, I mean, sometimes I take the risk. Almost all of my cameras that I set nowadays, I actually put my name and phone number all over them. And I mean, I don't know if that's a truth that I have to turn or not, but I have had people, quite a few people that have reached out to me and contacted me and stuff like that. And it's, it's actually been pretty fun to make that connection with people that are running the same country as I am. But in the back of my mind, the reason I started doing that is I thought, you know, some of these people that, I, I assume that some of these guys that steal the camera are just looking for the information. They're bummed that somebody's in their spot or they steal the camera or whatever. And I'm I'm free and open to share the information. If somebody comes across one of my cameras and they call me, um, I've emailed, sent pictures, stuff like that. And 
I mean, like I said, I don't, I don't know if it's a true deterrent or not, but putting my name on them, it seems like I've lost a lot less cameras and had a lot more interaction with people since I started doing that. But all of mine are always locked. Uh, most of them are in bear boxes and stuff like that. So that kind of keeps the honest people honest. But at the end of the day, I still lose a few cameras every year. But yeah. lately, it's been more to bears than people. And oh. I guess I can take that. So. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Kind of crazy on how you get those pictures and with the elk or any animal, they just walk right up to the camera and they just oh, yeah. leave that darn thing alone. Yeah, I mean, I've tried everything. I've tried like wiping them down. I've tried different things, and it doesn't matter. It seems like the critters always I mean, them. Elk are really bad because oh, yeah. elk will come in and blow snot all over the lens. <laughs> yeah. So even do. if they don't damage it or disrupt it or anything, you usually have pretty blurry pictures after an elk's come by. But uh, yep. those stinking bears love to claw at the cameras. I lose a lot of cameras to bears every year. We've been fortunate. Look at the bears; they'll sniff them real good, but they don't haven't clawed at them too much. The the cow elk will not leave them alone. I know. Just like you said, it's <laughs> not all over them, and you got to carry baby wipes with you to get all the the lenses cleared out because of those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a uh, it's it's ruined several sets. Yeah. they come in and slobber all over it. Yeah. I wish I could figure a way to get them to stop doing that. Yeah, we've had some. You know, we have that camera set up, and it's perfect, and. You see that bull walking in, and then the cow walks right in front of the camera and then stands there the whole entire time. <laughs> and then you never get that clear shot of that bull, you know, and you're like, son of a gun, man. You're like, why the heck? You know, you're like, you're yelling at your computer, you know, you're trying to get her to move. And you're like, would you just move already? <laughs> oh, yeah. I've had those moments. I'm sure my wife thinks I'm crazy when I sit and yell at the camera. Yeah. <laughs> those computers and you're yelling at your computer. Pictures. Right? Yeah. That's funny. I think someone else asked that they, uh, like, do you angle your cameras or do you try to do that before you take off? And I know the cameras that we use, and I'm sure you have this, you're running the same kind, uh, the stealth ones. Um, they have that little, you know, you can set it up and you can put in that test mode to see if it catches your movement. Yeah, I, I got away from the test mode. And my recommendation for that, I tell people this all the time, I don't ever, ever, ever set a camera anymore without... Um, pulling the card and viewing it uh, and it, it's super easy to do nowadays you can get a, a little tiny adapter that goes in your pocket and you can plug right into your phone you don't even have to have one of the full card readers but um i mean the difference between just running test mode which is great test mode helps you get pointed in the right angle but um if you view your pictures it helps you eliminate some of those branches that you don't notice that'll set off the camera the grass or stuff like that and uh it makes a big difference so when i'm Setting a camera, especially for elk, I try to be roughly 18 to 20 feet away from the camera. So I'll actually go stand where I think the elk is going to stand or where he's most likely to stand. And I, sometimes I'll even like measure it off if you can't tell, just like three arm lengths, basically. And I'll go set up and I'll have the camera take pictures of me. And if I'm in an elk spot, I like the top of the frame in the pictures to be at least a foot, foot and a half above my head. And I don't care if it cuts off my knees. Usually in the 16 to 9 ratio, the, the bottom of the frame hits me about mid-shins. And then at least a foot and a half over the top of my head. And that seems to work really well for elk. Um, I like them that close. Sometimes we just have to ruin cameras far enough away that you just get the whole elk and it's not that big of a deal. But yeah. the closer you can get them, the better, as long as they're not so big that the bull and the whole frame. So um, that's my recommendation is just view the photos. Go stand out where you think they're going to 
where you think the animal's going to stand or most likely to stand, sometimes it's a good idea to try and channel that. Uh, you know, I've spent a little bit of time with some really good, really knowledgeable trappers and guys that are good at, you know, trapping foxes and bobcats and stuff like that. And I've kind of taken some of their tricks and use the same thing that they use to try and funnel animals where you want them to be, whether it's for a, a picture or for a trip. So I've cut branches or stacked up branches and stuff to try and make sure that the animals stay far enough away from my camera, that they're not just a blob of fur, but they're also close enough that you can get a good picture. So right. And that makes of- sense because we've always had a lot of people ask us, you know, like, well, what's the proper height? You know, and you're like, well, I really don't know. You just got to kind of set it there then walk over and kind of determine you know okay the elk is about this high you know you don't want it too high up in the tree you don't want it too low because you're going to cut off their heads right but doing it the way you're saying it totally makes sense so you know for the people out there listening definitely give that a shot yeah for the for sure way i think just like ryan was saying just to check it and pull the sd card out it's very easy nowadays there's so much sd card readers out there that you can hook up to your phone and look at it real quick and then yeah, another. and especially if you get into steep country, flat country, you can usually pretty eye- eyeball it pretty well and yeah. just kind of assume where it needs to be pointed or use the test mode or stuff like that. But yeah. Running steep country kind of changes the game. Um, it, it's a little deceiving. It kind of throws your eyes off. So even if you think the camera's going to be pointed good, sometimes when you go and review those pictures, they're not pointed that great. But catching if the camera has to be higher or lower than where the animals are going to be, yeah. Yeah, we had it's, that. A, it's almost invaluable to have those card readers to yeah. see what the cameras really see. You know, that's a really good trick. We were running a camera that was facing downhill, and that was doing pretty good. Then we decided to reface it upslope, and we knew we had to compensate for the elevation because we were running on a tree that was lower down. But we still we thought we had it high enough, and it still wasn't high enough. You know, just when you think it's yeah. not high enough, you're still cutting off. You, know, you get the full body, but you're still cutting the top of the head off. And I think it comes down to knowing the height of an animal and, yeah, just checking it, you know. Yeah, that's what that's pretty much my standard every time. I've actually bagged setting cameras before, especially on weird angles, because I had forgot my card reader and my card reader went bad. So it's, <laughs> a, I, it's, it's one of those tools that I don't leave home without. Yeah, I know Eric has uh, one of those card readers, and, it man, that thing comes in handy like you wouldn't yeah. believe. You know, we just go out there, he pulls it out pops it in you know we get to check it right there and see if it's if we need to pull the camera or if it's getting good content then we just download it put it right back in and leave it you know and yeah that's definitely one thing i need to invest in because of course i don't have the iphone you know i have the android and i'm constantly getting grief from these guys but uh, it's uh hey it's, hey i'm on i'm on an android phone i'm the purest <laughs> there you go one android always android. <laughs> uh but yeah i definitely want to get me one because there's cameras you know i want to get set up in certain areas and it's easier for me to get to than uh eric to get to you know so instead of me carrying my laptop with me you know having a little card reader is definitely the way to do it yeah, yeah, they're worth their weight in gold. Yeah, and they're really, really cheap. You can get a decent one for fifteen bucks. So yeah, something you just gotta have. Yeah, what's what's weird on some of the other cameras we have on my laptop? I have a Mac laptop. It won't read the uh, the videos, pictures. It will, but videos it won't. So I have no idea what it did for videos. 
But if I hook oh, up yeah. the SD card reader to the phone, I can see the videos, but it won't do it on my laptop. So sometimes my laptop's completely useless. And then it's just one more thing that you got to haul around with you when you're hiking back to some of these places, you know, with your laptop. Yeah, yeah. Some of the <laughs> back bar in places, it's all you can do to get in there. So definitely when we haul on a laptop, you don't have yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah, there's uh, one area I wanted to try and get a camera set up, uh, get some pictures of some rams. And I was in there like a week earlier, you know, just to kind of make sure that the rams were there, located them, knew where they were getting water. So ended up going back in there, you know, with the camera to get that sucker set up. And the water was gone. There's no, you know, because I was going to set it right there at the water hole when they came in to get water. Get there, the water's gone no rams anywhere oh, I know. and i was like oh dude and we drove around and everywhere just trying to locate him because my father-in-law lives close to him so he's able to he's like oh yeah i know exactly where they are but we went in there we could not find them anywhere you know just driving all over so needless to say you know i was i was going to set up that nice 4k camera to, just to get some good quality pictures of these rams you know and yeah. still have not been able to relocate these guys have no idea where they went and i'm like it's, i'm getting so frustrated because i want to get out there and get some good content of these rams you know have you, have you tried for rams yet kind of or are you just kind of on there by accident every now and then uh, i've tried it a little bit i haven't had a ton of success i'm actually planning a trip i think i'll probably make it out towards the end of april and um, i had quite a few sheep points in nevada utah arizona and then i always apply for sheep in new mexico so, um I'm going to make a trip. And even though it's not necessarily exactly where they're going to be during the hunts, um, you know, all the deer and elk have shed. And it's just kind of another thing that I wanted to try out. So I'm going to be making a, a specific sheep trip here in the next few weeks to try and see what I can turn up. Yeah. It'd be cool. The spot that Brian's talking about, that it's kind of like a resident herd. His father-in-law with her during the rut where they're smashing each other, he's that close where you can hear him ramming. And smashing sure they're up on the mountain. So yeah, kind of cool that you don't see a lot of game camera footage on these guys because I think they're just in such rough country and and uh, really remote areas in most of the time. But this herd is just close enough to us where we can get in there and I think we can catch them on there. It's just trying to find their pattern is the hard part. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that'll be awesome. Yeah, yeah I've got. I'm pretty lucky. We've got a few sheep that live close to me. They've suffered with diseases like a lot of areas, but um, I've I've done you know had a pretty good time and been fairly successful taking still photos of them with my knife on. But yeah, getting them on trail camera has almost been more daunting or more challenging yeah. than, <laughs> than the still photos. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Oh, on your on your four K on the four K ones, what SD mm-hmm. cards are you running? Are you running some like you know like thirty two gigs or higher than that? And for if I'm gonna run video mode, I always go at least a 64 gig. Um, I like the SanDisk brand just because they've never let me down. They're fairly easy to come by. Yeah, they, then, uh, you need a, a really high speed card to record that much data to record that high quality of a video or even a photo. Yeah. And um, but even then, even with a 64 gig, they fill up surprisingly fast, and none of it's kind of contingent on your settings. But yeah, you know, I. I love trying to get the Elkra on video with, you know, the yeah, yeah. video mode during the Elkra than any other time. And even, you know, 
that hot period of the run where it's three or four weeks long, it's pretty easy to fill a 64 gig card if you're in the right spot, if there's a lot of animals coming in and out. So a few of my cameras that I know are going to be you know, high traffic areas, I've run 128 gig cards in them. Some of the manufacturers' uh, manuals suggest not doing that. Um, really? I've done it anyways and I haven't had any problems yet, but uh, even 128 gig card fills surprisingly fast when you're running you know 30 seconds of 4k video and you've got animals in there all day every day yeah yeah and even with uh, this year we're gonna run some 4ks finally but even with the hd the eight you know as the the hds they'll fill up pretty quick on a 32 or a 64 yeah. especially like i said during the rut on a high traffic area they'll fill up so quick it's almost like a week they'll fill up Oh yeah, uh, you gotta check. Yeah, it. absolutely. It. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of data to try and, to yeah. Try and store. Yeah. So. yeah. Um, any big plans? Any other areas that you're gonna? Well, you don't have to say where they're going, but some areas that you're thinking about this year on the that are on the radar. Um. Well, so my brother lucked out and drew a really great Arizona elk tag um, in a in a unit we haven't spent a lot of time in, so that'll be a, a fun fun adventure place to go check out. Um. And then, yeah, I'm just kind of waiting for all the the rest of the states to start posting their draw results. You know, I know. We put in for a bunch of different tags, so fingers yeah. crossed that we look out somewhere. But that'll pretty much dry up where my cameras end up. Yeah, if we got about, I think, like a month here yeah. before we know in this end state, April. Mexico. And what we, was it, the 24th? I think the 24th of uh, April is for New Mexico. Yeah. So then, fingers uh, crossed, man. Hopefully, we all draw. I don't know if we draw that one. If not, our go-to plan will be probably Wyoming. I hope, because <laughs> I think their deadline for at least for deer and antelope, I think, is like May and the end of May. So at least there's that option too. Yeah, that's just a little too far to put cameras for us. <laughs> yeah. A little too far. Yeah, I've been in a dry spell drawing tags, so I'm hoping I put it in for a lot of states and a lot of places this year. So something works out. And this first year I put in for uh, Bighorn in Mexico. We'll see. The chances aren't very good. I don't think in any state they're very good, but at least in this state, you don't have to have points. So it's just a lottery. So, you know, I never know. <laughs> yeah. New Mexico has some amazing sheep of bull species. So. Yeah. Yeah. They got nice and deserts. Almost and... any tag would be a dream come true in this state. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. I don't know. Like I said, uh, I had a buddy of ours say this. He's never had Mexico State give him a tag, so you got to put in to, to see if he can draw, you know. So with art, where do you find your best deals on your SD cards? Because for us right now, for people that are listening, we always drop by Walgreens, and there's always seems to be something on sale, whether it be a 32 or a 64. Um, do you just go to Amazon, or do you kind of like – wait to see something pop up at like CVS or a Walgreens or something? Um, I guess I'm not very good of a bargain shop when oh. it comes to that <laughs> stuff, especially SD cards. So and there's a few photography stores around here and just even grocery stores when I've been in a pinch. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I usually pay full retail for SD cards when I load on SD cards, but I buy so many of them at one time that they usually last me for a while. So. Gotcha. And, and I, th- no, I think if, People didn't hear that about Ryan saying about the the SD cards are just as important as the camera, as fast as these things are, and as what do we call it? They're just fast cameras now, and the and the quality is so high that your SD card plays a big part into it. So you you know can't 
I wouldn't cheap out on a on an SD card unless you're just taking photos. In my experience, it's the video. Yeah. You want that uh, I don't know the numbers super well, but like the recording rate on them, there's like a little number on there usually. And uh, for those who are looking at, there's a number on there. And the higher the number, the faster the, the recording speed is on them. So I know that part. It's, it's funny how you become techno savvy, even though you didn't think you'd do that. You know. <laughs> Yeah, that's one of the lessons I had to learn the hard way. And I would never run, you know, off-brand or cheap SD cards because I've had them go bad on me. And one of the pictures, so I've had to pay a data recovery place to go through them and, and dig out the data that was corrupt. And oh, it's it's dang expensive oh, <laughs> to yeah. to do that. And it's not worth the saving five or six dollars on an SD card. That's for sure. Yeah, I know. I. For the most part, we run our big ones. We run the the scan discs, and that there's a number on there. I don't, I'm not like a super techno savvy, but you'll see a number on there, not the 64 gig, but there'll be another one that says like 80 MBs. I was told like either mm-hmm. 80 and higher is what you want for those fast recording speeds, especially with these 4Ks and the and the 1080 HDs. Got to have a, a good disc. Yeah, yeah. If the SD card can't keep up with the recording rate, it'll just shut right down. Yeah, I, on the 4K camera, my uh, stealth cam, I put a chip in there. I just had one kind of there. What it was the chip, but took that micro SD. So I just mm-hmm. had one laying around, and I wanted to try it, and I put it in, and the actual camera told me that that chip was not compatible to it and i was oh, like, that's cool yeah i was like well what the heck why is it telling me that so i pulled it out and it was only like a eight gig you know it was real tiny it didn't have the number on there so it wasn't um i get it was a real cheap little uh micro sd card so i was like okay so i just went over found a bigger one put it in there and then it worked you know yeah but that's awesome that it warned you though because yeah had you walked away from that camera thinking about recording that'd be a bummer to find out the hard way right you go over there and it didn't get anything and you're like what do you mean it's not working so yeah it'll definitely <laughs> get you in a little bad mood there but um oh, yeah. so yeah just definitely pay attention to those sd cards yeah. you have to big important talking about being bummed out just what was it last week me and brian we went out grabbed a game camera we're out shed hunting, and then we're also kind of specking out for turkey because that starts in April, and uh, there's a spot where there's a lot of turkey. And I was going to set up a camera, and I went to put it up, and I get, apparently I grabbed the wrong one when I left, and I had no batteries in it when I went to go set it up. <laughs> so I put it on the tree, and there you go, no batteries. And uh, <laughs> what a, I mean, it's so disappointing when that happens when you just forget one little tiny detail because it's you know this is pretty much worthless if you're missing. The batteries or the SD card doesn't matter. One of them, it's a done deal at that point. There's no oh, going yeah. back and fixing that. Well, here, here's another good, <laughs> good story. What I got oh, to. Yeah, this is... <laughs> we went out, you know, last week go shed hunting, and Eric has this camera set up. It was a perfect. We got some pictures of elk on it before in the past, you know. So we went back in there to check it. Eric, pro was you went checked it like, three times. Oh, yeah, at least three times. So the fourth time we're out there, we walk up to the camera. And I just happened to look down the little wash and there was a shed, an elk shed sitting right there. You know, it was a white. So, I mean, an old chalky, it's so old it was already turning pink, right? Yeah. Laying right there. And I was like, how the heck could you miss that? You know, it was, yeah. <laughs> you look at the camera and you're looking at the angle and which way it's facing and 
It was barely out of the, frame. The and how, is right there. <laughs> every time I checked it, I don't know if you does. Every time I check the camera, I make sure it's where I left it, or if it got moved, or I need to move it back. And I'm looking down where it's facing, and literally like ten feet over is this wash, and you can see the tine sticking up. Fourth time on the fourth time with him, he's the one that spots it right away, and I'm and I missed it three times. <laughs> and it's barely out of frame. We were hoping to catch yeah, it on it frame, was... and you could see our heads, but that was it. Though. You couldn't see us picking up the shed in front of the, the camera, which that would have been hilarious if it was on there because I don't know how I missed it that many times. And that's been a goal of mine for a long time is to try and get an animal shedding on camera or at oh. least have the shed fall in the frame. And I've been dang close so many times, but just <laughs> not the actual the actual antler in, in the frame of the camera. So. Yeah, someday. Cool. Yeah, someday. I got a bunch of cameras in it right now that might have got that. Might have got it, yeah. Before I can go pull them. <laughs> yep. And hey, this weird. one that we're talking about, we had bulls coming up to it up to about Mar- early March. And it's where they w- the way I pictured them coming through, they didn't come through. They would pop around the tree. On the backside. On the, from the backside. And all of a sudden, they just show up in frame, like, I mean, head right, right against the, the camera. You could tell they're still packing. And then they're... They're scraping the tree and eating the tree. And I'm like, why could you guys run through where it's tracked out? Like I expected it. And of course, they didn't do that. None of them did that. <laughs> they just popped around the tree for some reason. It was weird. Only at night, too. Not all weird things. But yeah, I think another funny story was we, oh, was it two years? I think it was two years ago. We were setting up the cameras. This is strictly for hunting. We we're trying to catch when these deer were moving back in this one, uh, I don't know, call it a draw. And we could have swore someone stole it. And I was infuriated. Like I was <laughs> boiling blood. I'm like, I'm ready to, to start punching people and everything else and start we asking, you know, interrogating we were, yeah. people in the area. <laughs> we were not happy. No, I, I was, it was our, we thought it was our first time we got the camera stolen. I was so infuriated. And the whole heart sinks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you walk up and it's not there anymore. <laughs> and we were, I think we drove off pretty few minutes and then we got back to camp and I had the camera underneath the seat the whole time. I never even set it up. And so oh, no. yeah. fired up and <laughs> get stressed out and mad and everything else. And I never even put the darn thing up. It was just underneath my seat the whole time. <laughs> we could have swore so. because we pulled it to, you know, we left everything at camp. So we're like, well, let's just pull it, you know, and we'll just take it back and we'll come back and set it up. Well, we went back. We just never shut it up and yeah we thought somebody stole it dude we were so upset and talk about feeling like dorks after after the fact when you realize you know you're like wait a minute we have all the cameras (laughs) (laughs) how do you guys keep track of your cameras or how do you log them we just mark them you know we use the onyx hunt and we Mm -hmm. just basically whenever somebody like if eric goes out um he'll mark it He'll send me the coordinates, you know, that, uh, that point or that waypoint. And like, uh, with Eric, myself and Nolbert, we'll, uh, we'll just share them between us three. And that's pretty much on how we keep track. It may not be the most efficient way, but it seems to work. There's yeah, a couple that I don't mark just because it's all of us know where exactly where we put the cameras at. And, uh, you can usually find them. We don't log them too well. It's all in our head, <laughs> which is probably not the smartest it's idea. It's not the to smartest do. thing because. We forget that we don't even set one up. And <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, that's, I mean, just on Onyx and we just use that and walk around and then, you know, it works out for us. Yeah. Sometimes I'll even 
take a picture, even after I marked it, I'll even take a picture of the tree that it's on and send it to somebody. So that way, if they go check it, because I've gone out there a couple times and I can't remember what tree I put it on. I'm like, uh, I can't remember. And I've been standing yeah. in front of it sometimes uh, before I remember what tree I put it on. Yeah, we've tried marking our cameras with a name, you know, like we'll put our name on there and we'll put camera one, camera two, camera three. And just so when we pull it, we know, okay, camera two was in this location, you know, but we just have it. We need to go through all of our cameras because we forgot what, because we're not writing it down, which would probably be the better way to do it, you know, like you do. But we forget what number we're on. So we're like, uh, I don't remember what camera this one was. You know, I, I, I mean, we could kind of tell from the location on the area by looking at the picture, you know, be like, oh, yeah, this one was over here on this ridge or whatever, you know. But keeping a written documentation would be probably yeah. pretty smart. I, I like uh, how creative you get with the camera names. I never really paid attention to them. And then I, I think we talked about last time, there was that one, man, there's this mountain that's just freshly blanketed in snow. It's called the Bob Ross camera. <laughs> yeah. <And> I, <laughs> Do you just look at a spot and go, oh, yeah, this screams Bob Ross all over it? <laughs> or just... Well, yeah, and that one kind of, that's the way that transpired. A lot of them, though, are having, like, more of a specific story or incident, whether it's, <laughs> like, an animal that I've gone after or something like that. So that kind of developed more as just a way for to help me remember or to help me keep track of the different <laughs> locations and stuff like that. So that way I can just write them all down, and I know where those spots are at. Yeah. What, I noticed one is called the Spinal Tap. How did that, like, what did it? Did, did you <laughs> yeah, fall on your that's back a horror story. That's not, that's not a good story. But that's not a good story. Here I goes. didn't think it was. I'm like, Spinal Tap. <laughs> I, I've had a boy that had a Spinal so, Tap and it did not go. It's not a very fun procedure. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't feel that way. Yeah. So, that one, I, I drew a really cool archery deer tag in Nevada, um, scattered my guts out. Ended up finding a really good buck. When I first found him, I think it was the 4th of July when I first found him. And he didn't look he didn't look worthy of the tag, I guess. He looked like a, an impressive buck and one worth keeping an eye on. And I actually got close enough to him that I got some pretty good still photos with him, of him with my Nikon. And anyway, spent a lot of time in the summer scouting the unit and didn't really end up turning anything you know, crazy. And so I went back to that area where I had found that buck. And he like sprouted. He put on a ton of growth um, through those last few weeks of July, and I'm shocked at how big he was. So he ended up being my target buck, and um, I spent some time hunting this deer. I had a pretty cool little crow's nest that I could glass from that I could see his entire five day rotation. He was pretty much on this big loop and it took him five days to go through it. and from that one spot i could see the whole thing but it was hard to get a shot on him it's kind of open country it's either open country or just straight mahoganies and when he'd get in the mahoganies he'd disappear but um so i uh, hunted this buck for a long time and bought a lot of failed attempts and when it finally came together um, i had a rangefinder malfunction and so I guessed the yardage, and I guessed wrong, and I shot high, and I hit the buck in the back. Uh. And he dropped. Um, I didn't know that I hit him high at the time. It actually sheared my broadhead off. And so when I went over there, I found the arrow, 
and the broadhead was gone and it, it just it didn't look right my insert had kind of just folded over so my the, the entire length of my arrow was there but it just let the broadhead fold to the side and spent days and days and days tracking the buck um no blood no nothing and looked for crows you know the next weekend and just i spent a little time and i never turned them up and coincidentally my dad actually drew the muzzle tag for that same unit the next year and we turned him up again wow. and he grew a freak antler on one side and he had you know the same configuration on the other side but um anyway it's just because of what what I later found out to be that I hit the buck high and I had misjudged the orange instead of I I ultimately hit him right in the spine. That's what drove the name of that <laughs> trail camera. The trail camera is the closest one to that area. Um, the buck only hit that camera a couple of times just because the water kind of runs and it'll just bubble up in different spots, so it's hard to get them on camera. But um, Anyways, that was really one of the main cameras that I ran for that book. Other than that, it was just glassing. So that's how that one acquired the name Spinal <laughs> Tooth. It's one of my many failed attempts at a big deer. So, oh, and when I first saw that, I was like, oh, man, he must have, I wonder if he slipped and landed around on his backside or something. <laughs> Maybe it felt like a spinal tap or something. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's kind of fun to name them. Like I said, most of them have a story. And unfortunately, most of the stories are like that one. They don't have the the happy ending or the best of all. Yeah. You know, just some of these spots I run, something always happens. So. What do you suggest, guys? Because, you know, we're all attracted to putting them, you know, especially in the dry areas, putting them on water. Of course, you, you know, if you kind of run the risk of, you know, losing your camera, do you look for other areas around it? Like maybe, uh, sometimes I look, we look for areas that go from bedding to water areas to set up a camera. Yeah, especially like if that? it's a high theft area or high traffic area that I'm concerned about. Um, yeah, even you don't even have to get that far. Even if you get 40 or 50 yards away from the water source, it takes a lot more cameras because they come in from different directions. It seems like especially a buck will rarely come in, in from the exact same spot. But running those cameras 40 or 50 yards away from the water where you hope that they'll come in or the trails will come in seems to cut down on theft significantly. Yeah, it's kind of what we, there's a couple water areas that we know of that just for some reason we haven't gotten a whole lot of, I think the one water spot that we like to use, a dude walked by, I think he was just running his dogs just to, you know, they're either bear dogs or lion dogs. I'm not sure which ones yeah, they were. We caught, on that particular camera, we caught that individual one time. Yeah. And there's, yeah, it wasn't too far off the road. Now, we've had people on cameras when you would set a camera in the middle of nowhere. We picked up more people on that camera yeah. than we did one was close to the road. Yeah, getting, on, getting people on camera can be so random sometimes. This yeah. is Hit many, many spots. years ago, but I had a, a camera that, I mean, it's out in the desert in Utah. Um it's a pretty good hike to get in there. It's It took me about 45 minutes one way to hike to the camera. And it's on a little spring out in the desert. And no roads around or anything like that. And I had this random kind of hippie lady walk into the camera. And there's only one tree by this water. It's not like it's brushy or anything like that or the camera's hidden. The camera's blatantly obvious. I had a lady walk in, bathe in this little spring, 
And to this day, I still can't wrap my head around whether or not she knew that the cameras there, why, why that went, went down the way it did. But yeah, you just never know what you're going to get on camera. There's some pretty yeah. random people out there that you wouldn't expect. That's yeah, funny. The one that Brian's talking about, it's, it's in a lot of dead and down, blow down. It's been burned over. It's not fun getting into the spot that we keep this one camera at. And out of nowhere, this old couple, probably in their 60s, I don't even like hiking in there, and this couple in their 60s walk by, and this old man looks at the camera, and he, he knows it's there. The first time, he just kind of looks at it, and they point at it, and then the, like three days later, they're caught on it again, and he he's like pulling his shirt up, scratching his belly and stuff. And you're like, what's this guy doing? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's just weird. Is he just trying to be a goofball, which is fine, but it was just odd. There's sometimes there's some odd stuff that you're like, what, what are they doing? You know? <laughs> yeah, people are strange. So, yeah. For most part of the people, I've come across a camera. We were hunting and came across a camera. I was holding on to a, a tree, you know, trying to get around this ledge, around a, a, a nice bowl. And I look over and there's a camera right on the tree. And I was like, yeah, I finally found one. So I just smiled at it and kept on trekking on, you know, left it alone like you should. <laughs> and yeah. I don't think... Any of us might if you'll have a little bit of fun with it, but don't get crazy with it, you know. Been in an area where Ryan, where multiple people put cameras in, as well as with yours. Oh yeah, yeah. I've a, uh, you know, especially in in dry country with water, there's I mean, up to sometimes twenty cameras at a spot. And I've been part of that before. It, I don't know. It's a little, especially at first, it's a little shocking when you look up to, uh, especially guzzlers, because um, guzzlers are usually in the driest areas. And the drinker is so small that it's pretty easy to throw cam in. It's not like a pond or a river or anything like that where the water's scattered out. It's it's a yard across. So yeah. those places usually get trail cams pretty hard. And um, I mean, anymore, it seems like nowadays everybody has a camera and everybody understands the pain of losing a camera, having one stolen or anything like that. So it seems like those areas don't even have as much issues running in places where there's a lot of other cameras. Um, People seem to just kind of mind their business and, and leave it be. But every once in a while, you know, sometimes you run into an area where there's only a few people trail camming it and they kind of think it because they haven't been there, they own it. And yeah. I know some guys that have run into issues there where they showed up and their camera was in pieces on the ground. And I personally haven't had to deal with that, but it's just kind of a. It's kind of a mentality thing, or it just comes with the territory on public land. Right. So, I know it does suck about that. Like we haven't ran into it yet, thank God. Um, a lot of guys in the Gila area, part of the Mexico, have have had that problem. And what's funny is that you know, I, I, there might be there's some secrets out there, like little spots, you know. But I always say that there is no true secret. Like I mean, somebody out there knows of of the spot. Probably I'm guessing if there's a, if it's a nice isolated water spot. But yeah, I have no idea why people feel the need to. You know, to wreck someone else's equipment or leave theirs up or, you know, they're in a secret spot. Because when you start talking around, I'm sure in your hunting realm, you think you got a secret spot and you, you overhear someone talking. They're like, uh, oh, yeah, I know that one spot. And you're like, oh, man, I guess it's not a secret. <laughs> I, I just don't think there's that many secret spots left anymore. You know, somebody is aware of it for the most part, unless you're in the wilderness, which that's a whole different story there. You got to really hike in. And that might be the only leftover spots i think yeah there's a lot of people that are really de dedicated I mean, it's, 
becoming more and more prevalent to be in good shape and to hit these more remote areas. You know, like you said, it's it's tougher and tougher to find an area that would be considered a secret or even low traffic <laughs> these days. Do you ever you get into some pretty remote spots? But yeah. there's a lot of people these days that are looking for those same type of remote spots. Yeah, yeah. Um, have you ever had people like at maybe outfitters in the area around you just spot your truck and know who you are and like, hey, you know, kind of wait to see what you post, kind of like using your post as a scouting, uh, I guess, for scouting purposes? Yeah, yeah, a little bit, a little bit, <laughs> not to like a, a huge degree, but I mean, you know, some of the, some of the pictures that I post on my Instagram account, especially, um, and it's not an accident, but you can look at the picture and if you've ever been there, you know the spot, yeah. right? I mean, some of those places are, are fairly well recognizable and I've had some people send me some pretty nasty messages about <laughs> that, that I was letting the secret out. Oh, oh yeah, we get that all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've had some people kind of send me some, some nasty grams on it. And that's fine. And I get it. I get where they're coming from. In general, I'm pretty secretive. Um, I kind of hoard some of the biggest animals that I get on trail camera to myself. There's a lot of stuff that I don't post. But when it comes to those, you know, recognizable trail cam shots, I don't know. Kind of my thought is like, if you recognize that, you've already been there. You already know that that's a good spot. You already, yeah. you already realize that. Yeah, and yeah. I usually keep, you know, the biggest animals that are in recognizable locations. I usually keep those secret. I have a, <laughs> quite a few photos that I wouldn't ever post on Instagram or anything like that. It's usually yeah. the, the smaller animals that take the best photos, anyways. So a lot of my Instagram account is more pretty pictures than big critters. Yeah, right. Anyways, yeah, I mean, it kind of, kind of comes with the territory, you know, especially with, with Instagram, social media, and stuff like that. A handful of people know what I drive, and they'll like, yeah, I'm not asking questions and stuff when yeah. you see me. But <laughs> lately, I go through vehicles like on a regular basis, so <laughs> it's harder to track. I know me I thought about days, buying. I guess I've, I've crashed a few vehicles lately, so <laughs> I thought about. We're trying to get it, or I'm trying to get like a little small run around truck for this kind of stuff. And I'm, I was telling Brian earlier, I was like, you know what? If I've ever, if I do buy it, which I doubt I will, but that's a whole other story. Um, I'm not going to put any stickers on it, no nothing. It's just going to be a plain Jane truck and that's it. Cause on, yeah. we work as firefighters. So I have the union sticker on the back of my, our, you know, both of us have the sticker, you know, the saying that we're union firefighters. And, uh, we worked with a guy that owns an outfittership here in New Mexico. And I guess his guides see us all the time. They're like, hey, so-and-so, I, I see his truck up at, blah, blah, you know, whatever location we're at. And they're like, yeah, they're harmless. Don't worry about them. They're just, and he told us, basically, they're just scouting for us. And I was like, yeah, whatever, man. I don't care either. <laughs> it's no secret where, you, where we're at because your guides see us everywhere, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> we thought we were being conspicuous. And, yeah, that sticker alone is a dead giveaway <laughs> that who we are and got around. That's funny. So I was like, oh, it is what it is. Yeah, and I don't understand the, the mentality behind that. I would never want to, like, chase somebody because they're already there, right? I mean, yeah, you're, and you're better off going and stumbling into your own spot than trying to follow somebody into theirs. But, yep. Yeah, and he knows, his guides know where, where we're more or less going. I mean, they know exactly where we're setting up, but they know what maybe canyon that we're in. And he basically told us as an outfitter, he's like, hey, I mean, I follow you guys on Instagram. I just, it's kind of like free scouting for him. So he, he just told his guys just to 
yeah, let them be. You know, they're not doing no harm. They're actually yeah. doing us a lot of good because we don't have to go run cameras like as many as we should because they're doing it kind of for us. <laughs> so it's kind of there best in both worlds. They kind of know we're up there and maybe watch out for our stuff and then they get to see what we post and we come up with something <laughs> so they can take their clients out, I guess. You know, <laughs> still got to draw the unit. I always keep saying yeah, that. They're, still got to draw. They're tough units to draw uh, in some of the places. Exactly. You know? Cut yeah, and a lot of my stuff, that's just the case right there. I mean, a lot of the cameras, especially the scenic trail cam photos, almost all of those are in pretty tough areas to draw. So, I mean, just, just acquiring the tags, the hard part, units that are that good, usually finding a big animal is not the hard part. The hard part was getting the tag. Getting the, yeah, it's getting the tag. Um, some of the units in those Covenant units in Utah, like what's about the average tag, give, like allocation they give for some of the Covenant units? Are they... Pretty, how low are they? As far as quantity? Uh, yeah, I guess for how many tags they dish out for, like, you know, our overall covenant unit. Yeah, I mean, it's really low, especially when you look at the elk in Utah. Our rifle elk is right smack dab in the heat of the rut. And just because of that alone, the success rate is near 100%. Wow. And 100% on some of the older age platforms. The number of tags is very, very low on almost all of our rifle right tags, um, and it kind of has to be to keep the to keep the quality bulls around. So, pretty much any limited entry elk tag in Utah is tough to get. Even the bow tags are pretty hard to get. Yeah, and we I have think... some general units for elk, and we have some general units for deer that are a lot easier. But the limited entry stuff, it's all pretty tough. Yeah, some of our I I guess you call it limited entry archery. Well, yeah, they're not limited. To point wise, obviously, but some of the covenant tags, ah, shoot, they probably only give like maybe 15 to 20 tags per, you know, weapon between rifle and uh, bow and muzzleloader. So, yeah, the chance of drawing some of these really covenant units are pretty much very slim, you know. So. Yeah. 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 Really tough drawing units, but when you finally cash out and get that tag, oh, having a, that much real estate to yourself and and being able to hunt the way you want without interaction from other people's is pretty amazing. Yeah. I, I, I like that there's those units. I lean more towards having quality hunts over opportunity hunts. Yeah. Just because I mean that's a that's an experience in and of itself. When you hunt an entire unit and there's only fifteen other guys with tags on the unit, you know, you you're not gonna get bumped or you're not gonna have issues trying to chase the same animal. You can get out there and really enjoy it. Well, cool, Ryan. We appreciate you giving us an opportunity to talk to you on a second go around, and um, hope we answered a lot of questions for a lot of people out there to, you know, get out there and set up game cams because it's definitely, you know, Ryan knows this too. It's a lot of fun, and even if you don't even hunt, you know, you can put them up and have fun seeing if you, can, you know, figure out animals and where they're where they're at and stuff like that. And then, yeah, you know, may not always draw the tag, but you know, set the cameras up and have fun with it. And when you do draw it. You're ready to go, and uh, yeah, yeah, being able to hit the ground running when you finally draw tags. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, Ryan, we well, appreciate you talking with us, and uh, good luck on your draws. And uh, we'll have to hit you up and see what you drew if you did draw something. Okay, thanks, guys. All, All right, right, Ryan, take care. Talk to you later. Okay, bye. Okay, bye.